Well, hello. It's the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. At Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. At A to Z podcast.com, facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Shouts as always uh, to you guys for listening, for helping this thing grow, for bothering us when we go a couple weeks without doing one. We appreciate you. If you're new here, welcome. Um, we do get excited and venture into mature slash immature subjects, say four-letter words. So if that's not for you, or if there are kids around, or if you're in a work environment, put on your earbuds or come back to A to Z at another time. Our longtime sponsors are the Honeymoon Grill, seen in American Fireworks, uh, always open at AmericanFireworks.com. They're open in Hudson. It's easy to get to from anywhere. It's not far from the Turnpike. Dre, the billboards are out. Uh, believe it or not, July 4th is less than a week away, so it's time for Sunday. you to get Sunday, to American Sunday, Fireworks. Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday. Yeah, are you here for Sunday? Like, what's going on in the baseball world, and when will you be shooting off Man, your fireworks? I don't want to uh, – thank you, everybody, that makes this podcast what it is. You truly appreciate it in many ways and, and more ways than I can even say. Um, and I want to start off with negativity, so I'll go about trying to be positive. I'm going to be – from all I know, I'm not going on the road, so I'm going to be home. And the first thing I thought of when I realized that I wasn't leaving on Sunday and I would be here was kind of, you know – Figuring out. First of all, I'll go back to this. We had one another. We had a rain out on Saturday for the game in Minnesota, and because of that, I got to come home and went over to our neighbor's pool with our kids and all our other, all our other neighbors, and had a great Saturday like most people do. And as I realized I was going to be home next Sunday, which is the Fourth of July after the Indians play, uh, we kind of tallied up. Do people want to put some money together and and get those fireworks that Andre gets from the best place? In America, when it comes to fireworks, and so we've already, I'm, as we speak right now, I'm looking at this as a true story. A neighbor just Venmoed, Venmoed me some money for some fireworks, so I'm going to American Fireworks later on this week. Um, I have a tally; they're giving us a great deal. They take care of us as they do every year. So yes, Sunday night, um, Wadsworth Police, my black ass is buying them, but I'm not setting them off. So don't come arrest me. I got kids. <laughs> He's lying. He's not even five minutes in, and he's lying. <laughs> nah, that's the truth. I don't light him off. That's the one rule in the not household. I can get as many as I want. I, my wife does not want me to have. Okay, fingers. all right, that makes sense. Your not, fingers are already yeah, stubby I'm not enough. Three finger sure. Mordecai. So we'll have them, and it'll be booming. And it was better than any downtowns last year. Um, as I'm collecting money as we speak, I will be going out to Hudson. Uh, and after reading the articles I read in the Beacon Journal this week, I'll I'll, I'll be doing that during the daytime. But I knew that about Hudson already from growing up in it. <laughs> um, but my people yeah. American Fireworks are the best. Can't wait to go out and see them. All right. Yeah. So anyway, um, guys, it's been a couple weeks. Um, you know, there it's kind of a quiet time in sports. It's kind of a wild time in sports, frankly. You know, football for me, it's it's a quiet time. Uh, baseball, obviously, is getting to the midseason mark. Um, usually basketball is over right now, but it's not. We're in the conference finals. You know, it's potentially the Suns will will have clinched a, a spot in the finals by the time you listen to this. It's Monday afternoon as we record. Um, Dre, I just I, I think basketball is really healthy uh, in the NBA, certainly. But like, think about it. So LeBron's been gone three years next week, right? Um, wow. The Cavs have not gotten a bit better. No decision that they've made. They haven't added a player. No decision that they've made has gotten any less complicated or tenuous given their recent track record, right? But because some lottery balls bounce their way, the level of optimism is up like 5,000%, right? Just Where? people the are talking about the Cavs. Wait, wait. And yeah. like just they over all the next month. articles? 
Yeah. And I like Chris Fedor, but sometimes, and Chris, I like you, but sometimes it goes a little far. Go ahead. <laughs> And we'll I don't want to be. I don't want to be mean. You guys know that I don't want to fight with people. I'm sick. Of, I'm sick of fighting and listening to stupidity and, and reading Twitter. But nothing has gotten better with the Cavs, Zach. Yes, but in the, my that's opinion, what I'm saying. The the level of optimism and interest has, and when you're the Cavs, that matters. How? Because like, what's you, the optimism? Because they are have been so. What's bad. the optimism? What's that? I know. What's the? That's why I'm saying. What is the optimism? The, the, the addition of the number three pick, okay? Whoever it's going to be, um, is 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 convincing people that the Cavs are going to matter again. That that's fact. Like, look, I want. Look, I want them to matter. I you know I I love the NBA. I love what's going on in the NBA playoffs. I wanted to talk to you about more about that than the Cavs' stupid third pick. But we're here. Um. Maybe I like, and I've said this before. Maybe it's just my, in my age and how I do things. I have to say I want the Cavs to be good, but I don't really trust how they go about doing business. And I know twenty three ain't walking in the door, and I, like, and they're just so young. And I think first of all, for me, you have to figure out the, the backcourt thing. And having a third pick gives them cachet to to be able to move around and do certain things. Um, but the Sexland thing just it's not going to work, in my opinion. Um, I, and, and I've always said the best example you could have of having two un—I un, don't want to say undersized guards, but two guards that are small that are your focal point would be the Trailblazers. And the Trailblazers right now are getting ready to break up theirs after naming Cha- Chauncey Billups going to play point guard for him and coach for five years the way things look right now. <laughs> uh, so I mean, well, I do want to get there in the conversation. Okay, no, but I do want to get there in the conversation. If they get the third pick and they take the player that I like the most or the player that you like the most and nothing else changes, they're basically a 21 and under team with Kevin Love, gray hair, complaining and trying to get out of here. Well, listen, they are going to be drafting another child. That's just the nature of the beast, right? But I don't think it's fair to say that nothing else is going to change because almost certainly – this pick is going to dictate what you do with the situations with with Sexton and Allen, right? Like those guys are due money in in a short amount of time, and um, I don't know what trade value Colin Sexton w- would have. I would imagine it's some. I would I would not imagine it's substantive, but I would imagine there's a market for Colin Sexton if you're going to add another guard. And I absolutely sure. think the, the Cavs should be drafting Jalen Suggs here. Um, to me. I, I, I want to say this, too, and, and I can't believe we have to say this, but, guys, Kevin Love's trade value is negative. It's negative. Maybe the Cavs can move him. I don't think anybody is unmovable. But there is no trade out there that's instantly going to make the Cavs better or any other team better that involves Kevin Love. He makes a shit ton of money, and he never plays. <laughs> He's old and slow, and he never plays. True. <laughs> So He'll go to the Olympics um, and ball watch. Yeah, no, he, pro- he probably will. Um, <laughs> but like to say that he's going to be a piece that's going to get you. Yeah. Ben Simmons, CJ McCollum. No. Oh, like, wait, 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 let's, let's back up. You just said something. Let's, let's put Kevin Love on the, on the back burner. We'll get back to that. You'd be willing to get Ben Simmons. I would, I would. And you know why? Mm. Because Ben Simmons needs to be a four or a five. And the Cavs already have like four ones. Okay, well, wait, wait. And I'm not disagreeing. I want to. I'm gonna have this conversation the right way. 
offensively, I don't have a problem with I don't want him as a four or five offensively. Defensively, I would say I would let him play that way. Um, is he a, on offense? Is he a better? Is your team a better offense when he has the ball in his in his hands? You think it can be? Um, I do too. I think he's a conundrum. I think this is a, a great conversation because he's he's obviously imperfect, like all of us. But he's very much so. But he is ultra talented. Yeah, you know, like, and I don't think people and I, the way people reacted after what's happened in the playoffs, and I get it. We, we, everything's under a magnifying glass, and when a guy's six foot nine and, and right under the basket in the fourth quarter and won't dunk, won't shoot, there's an issue to that. There, there is something that's an issue. But he is ultra talented. Um, and I like that you call him a three or a four, uh, but three and fours in today's game are expected to score 20 points. The the hesitancy to shoot the ball is certainly a concern, but Dre, you're talking about an extremely physically gifted guy who had a really rough start to his career with the injuries, right? Um, I'm not, I put it this way. I am not advocating that the Cavs make a trade for Ben Simmons. And I certainly am against the Cavs giving up the farm, whatever farm they may have, which is a different discussion, right, for Ben Simmons. But I think if you're any team that wasn't in the playoffs, the first thing you do, and if this or, or you should have done a week ago, is call the Sixers and offer pennies for Ben Simmons because it seems like he just has to go from there, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, like, this is kind of the discussion I want to have, right? Like, a lot of teams, and, and, and this, is not, this isn't any sport and this isn't new. Like you get to a certain point, you're good, you have expectations, you're the number one seed or you're, you know, fourth straight year in the playoffs and you fall flat and the gut feeling is blow it up. And a lot of high profile NBA moves in recent years have indicated that that's what you do. Um, this makes for fascinating discussion inside and outside those offices. Last week we were getting ready to podcast and then we couldn't because your daughter cut her foot bad because you told her not to be running outside in bare feet. And what'd she do? She ran outside in bare feet. Well, kids going to be kids. The answer was not give her back. Right. <laughs> All right. I couldn't trade her. So I thought about it. I mean, you know, Damian Lillard is a little bit tall, taller than your daughter. Like the answer is not just trade Damian Lillard because it didn't work there. Like there is no fair trade in the league for Damian Lillard. Right. 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 So the, the Blazers, like the Jazz, like the Sixers, like who else flopped here, right? Need to take a long look and say, you know, where where are we going and how do we get to the next step? The coaches have been fired. Right. You know, um, it, it is interesting. And, and that obviously beats being where the Browns were for years, where the Cavs have been the last three years, where you're nowhere close. But when you get close – Everything changes. The microscope, well, the intensity. Yeah, and here's the other thing. The urgency. Here's the, yeah, and here's the other thing that goes along with what you're talking about, and I'm glad you've gone this way. When you've been down in the dumps like the, as the Cavs are, and I can't believe we started this podcast talking about the freaking Cavs, but so be it. It's 2021. That's how shit goes. Um, they're, getting, they're so far dug down deep in disparity that when you talk about a guy like getting Simmons, Ben Simmons – to me, you're talking about, okay, you're just trying to get respectable and really good. And on an 82-game season, and I think this is what the playoffs do, the bad of the playoffs. There's good – there's great I, – I, and we'll talk. I love what the playoffs have shown us this year. It's nice to get a reprieve and see different faces and see how guys react at different times. Um, so if you, want the, if you want the Cavs to have Ben Simmons, if that's something you're advocating, there's something that we're talking about. You know, though, that when he gets down to the last four to eight teams – 
he may not have the wherewithal right now. And well, how old is he? Look, he's no 24. more than 22 years. 24. 24? Okay. Um, so there's still room to grow. And he's probably not going to shoot as bad as he has. And at some point in time with the right team and, and a team that gets behind him and believes in him, I think that's. I think you can tell the way his, his body language and the way he acts with Philadelphia and those fans and how they've treated him. And I don't blame them. I mean, it's hard to watch a kid that talented not shoot the ball. I guess what I'm saying to you is this, and, and Zach, it, it's not a bad thing. You go get Ben Simmons, however you do it. If you got to give up Colin Sexton, if you got to put Kevin Love in there, if you got to pay for it, if you got to drive somebody somewhere, if you got to buy a shooting coach, if you got to tell Shaq, don't ever <laughs> talk to him again because y'all shoot free throws just to like whatever. Getting Ben Simmons doesn't guarantee that you're a top four team in the East. It just guarantees you're not an embarrassment every night in the regular season. Am I wrong? You know what I mean? Like, you still are going to have to do more. You're still going to have to get it probably a star star over that. So I would say to you this, you like, you like the kid out of Gonzaga, the guard, right? That's mm-hmm. what you said. Sucks. Yep. Um, if I move Colin Sexton, because you cannot keep Sexton and Garland. And I think Garland's the better play. I think, I think Sexton is a great six man on a, on a good team that you can bring off the bench and let him, let him go and just let him score and sure. be the scorer that he is. I think Garland's more of a, of a true guard who can score, but also can, can get people. So, okay. If you get let's say we move Sexton and you get Simmons and you bring in Suggs. Uh, I still say you're probably at best the sixth or seventh seed. Needs. Well, you're st- you're still looking for wings, right? Um, yeah, right. And every team is. Every team is looking for wings because there's very few guys that can make shots and score, go into the basket and defend and do all these things, right? Like there's a reason these guys are unicorns, right? Um, yeah. But there's supposed to be a bunch of unicorns. The Cavs are removed. Okay, there's there's supposed to be a bunch of unicorns though in this draft. Okay, well, let me just put it this way. I'm not saying the Cavs are one move away for for from anything. But mm-hmm. given the struggles and that times up on Jared Allen and Colin contract-wise and on Kobe Altman, like they need to make the moves that are going to shape how they're going to get there. I, I there's not one or two or even three moves this offseason that make the Cavs a three seed in the East and a real contender, right? But if there isn't a series of moves that shows pretty significant improvement, but more likely a pretty yeah. clear blueprint of how they want to get there in the next twelve to eighteen to twenty months, then it's all for, then it's all going to get blown up. Yeah, right. Well. Yeah, it's all in here. And that's part. And that goes back on the on the beginning of this conversation. It's part of my issue with the Cavs organization. I don't trust ownership and how ownership can can snap judgment and change his mind mid mid course. And, and, and it's his team. It's, it's his, you know, it's and I know things are different in his life. Um, You know, there was always for me, even with the for, for me with the Browns for a long time. Um, there was always this, yeah, they could do this right, but the owner might just wake up one day and make a, a, a decision that takes you back three steps. And I'll give the Browns ownership. They've done a pretty good job over the last six, eight, six, over the last year and a half, two years of removing themselves from the story. And by removing themselves from the story, the story is now about the team and about the players, uh, about the uniforms, about everything else, rather than the, you know, the 200 million a man spent to stay out of federal prison. Not that there's anything like that with the the Cavs situation, but 
there have been moves that have, there have been moves and decisions made by ownership and top of the brass with the Cavs that have made them this bad. Was being bad part of the deal when you knew LeBron was going to leave? Sure, but they have they. I, I have a trust factor. I'm just being honest. Yeah. I have a trust factor of because you're right. Two good moves, and you can make the you can make the Cavs an entertaining team. They went out and got Allen last year. That was a decision that I agree with, that I like. I thought it was aggressive. I thought it was a way to see. Um, because the one thing I'll say about Kobe, and he's not perfect, because he's made some decisions that made me scratch my head, but I give a team credit that realizes where they're at and, and realizes on a deal like that, hey, you know, this deal may not immediately help us, and it may help one of the super teams, quote-unquote, but it could help us in the long run. So now that you went out and got that, you get Allen and you cultivate him and you make him yours. You get the guard that if Suggs is the guard that you think works best with him, you become a high screen and roll team. And, and you'd say to Suggs, and Suggs is a great athlete, played quarterback. And I, I would have no problem. I would be happy with Suggs. I still like the kid, the other kid that's going to go number one, Cunningham. We talked about that weeks ago. Um, but the question I have, and I would say this, if you get another guard, you better get one of the best guards of the last 10 years, Zach. Otherwise, I want a wing player. I, I just have I, to stay. I, I, I can't stay argue that. with that, but I think – you know, when you watch Trey Young, you forget that he's 22 because he looks like he's 32 and he's been around now for a long he time. He looks like he's 12. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that Suggs can be Trey Young or close in a few years. Wow. I do. I do. Okay. So, wow. That to me is my two cents on the decision. Um, I think three is a great spot. I think they're going to get a good player. I, I think I wouldn't want to have one because I'm not sold on Kate Cunningham. I've been telling you that. Right. You told me that. I know, but I am, but I, I hear you. Um, And I like the Mobley kid for what he is. I would not be drafting him in the top three. No, I, you I, wouldn't I think take Mobley in top three. Wow. No, I would not. I would not. Um, I think he's going to have a good career. I, I, I think for it's going to take a long time to develop him, you know, physically and jump shot wise to, to give him a chance to be not better than average, but but really, really good. Right. Um, and, and I agree. Ideally, you would like to have that wing. No, I, I get that. But, but I, so I, think, I think we're in the same boat, though, yeah. when we talk about this. Well, look. Um, because it, because if, if in the top three, no matter who you take, Zach, it's going to take a couple of years for them to formulate and no, figure yeah, out No, you're are. drafting children. And that's why the, the children you already have. Yes. Yes. Um, right. I mean, Darius Garland is, you know, is he at 100 NBA games yet? I don't know, right? Yeah, he played question. four college games, so he's he's still developing, right? And we, we liked what we saw from him. Um, I just think last year, you know, Charlotte at number three got a guy that potentially will change their franchise, right? And nobody well, in this draft the, is as gifted. Do you have the draft in front of you? No, I can, yes. Um, yeah, I'm curious how he became number three. Well, um, I... I just think people did. I think teams dismissed him because of his last name. That's why. Yeah. That's well, the only. If, you, if that's the case, that's you're a bad organization, right? Right. Then um, that's what that's what you and I do in our fantasy drafts. Not, <laughs> but and I agree with. But seriously, but I agree with you. Like, how does that happen? Um, and I know he did play it overseas, and that's why the draft. But it, it, see, this is that's why the draft is such a crapshoot, because you know I think we look at it as. You know, why wouldn't you take this guy here? But you're right. Certain people look at certain things and go, well, I don't know if I want that in my organization. Right. You know, or I got, I just want to see the top five of last well, year's draft. I, I, I just want to say this because I, I want to get to some other things too, but basketball's Me healthy, too. right? The, the reaction to the NBA draft and the optimism, um, it's healthy. 
people know Jalen Suggs because of Gonzaga's run, specifically one shot in the in the game of the decade, right? Yeah. But right, th- they know that. Um, you know, we got a culture right now where people are watching on YouTube, um, guys playing in parks, <laughs> right? Like um, over the next month, we're gonna have the Olympics, the NBA Finals, and this tournament, the tournament um, based here in Ohio. Where a lot of guys that if you've ever watched college basketball, you're recognized are playing for a million bucks, and it's going to be on TV. And again, it goes back to our whole thing of now you can stream games, um, now you can bet on games and play fantasy. Basketball is really healthy, and I think one thing the the NBA and the NBA Players Association need to do, I think they need to add to the draft, Dre. I think it's time to add to the draft. It will help your G League. It will help the appeal people. This is the world we live in, a very transactional world, conversation-wise. What would you add to it? What would you I, add to it? I need to add at least one round because I need I need more things to trade and I need more guys to get picked. And I think it would help okay. the G League in that you would have actual draft picks to sell. I mean, look, the Cavs probably have legitimate reasons for moving the team, um, the G League team from Canton to the Wolstein Center, right? Yeah. Who in the world is ever going to go see the fucking G League team play at the Wolstein Center? I never understood that move. Nobody. I, I, no, absolutely but, nobody. <laughs> well, Cleveland. Well, and I'll go off with this. Cleveland State, and God bless their coach. Shout out to Camino. They're doing a great job of building that program. Um, and and I know that they sell it as, um, you know, hey, we're a big city team. We're in a big city. You know, the, you come support you because you support the Cavs, you support the Indians, support the you know the Browns. You can support us. And so far, that hasn't clicked. Now, obviously, we're coming off of the pandemic, and maybe out of the pandemic, you'll realize the prices are cheap to go see. The Cleveland State Vikings, and maybe you take and it is as a father, it would be the if you got a couple kids, it would be nice to take them to a game. I mean, I think for you and I, I gotta say, as a parent, I and maybe this is the thing that's changed. I'm glad this came up in the way that it did. Um, I had just as much fun when I was six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old going to an Akron Zips game at the jar or going out or, or going out to Dick Stadium and watching a Kent State football game as I did going to a big league game. You know what I mean? As much sure. as I did going to a Cavs game. And I have to remember as a father is, yes, just because there's only NBA games on TV, sometimes it is better to go to the Convocation Center or go wherever and, and watch a G League game. But, and what you're talking about, I don't understand why, and I'm sure there's a logistical, I'm sure there's something to it, but I just, and I never went to a Canton Charge game. I, I will admit that. But I know if I go up to Cleveland, if I take my if I'm taking my kids up to Cleveland to go to get basketball game, it most likely ain't gonna be a G League. Right. So no. I don't understand the the rhyme and reason behind yeah. doing it. Um, and maybe I should do more re- research and finding out. But it doesn't make much sense, especially when the big team yeah. is less than a mile away. No, listen, Cleveland State in the last 15 years has had two really good runs, right, and three or four good mm-hmm. teams, and they've yes. always struggled to get anybody to go to the games. Yes. Right. <laughs> And then you want to add another basketball team in there that has no, at least Cleveland State in any given year will have three or four kids that played North, that played basketball, played high school basketball in or around Northeast Ohio, right? So you feel some relation towards them. Um, You have college, but that makes the local high school coaches. I mean, you know how that is. If you get a kid from Garfield Heights, that means our favorite Garfield Heights coach will be there. If you get a kid from, you know, from Ed's, uh, that, and I think that's how you have to recruit at Cleveland State. Yes. I don't understand what they're trying to do with the Canton Charge. We shall see. Um, I, you know what? We can move on from this for this conversation with this. I think I'm glad that you like Suggs. I want to learn more about the wings. I think I want a wing player. Um, I'm I'm more curious as to how the Cavs deal with their guard situation. 
and how they deal with their Kevin Love situation. I think those two situations here, I'll ask you this to finish this conversation. Zach, I don't believe the Cavs can move forward to their next step of trying to be a playoff team until they eliminate the last piece of their of their finals team. I don't think they can move completely ahead until you get the albatross Kevin Love off the yeah. roster. Yeah, and, and the way you're going you're gonna to have to give him away. You're going to have mm-hmm. to give him away. That, that's what I wanted to say. Like, please don't present me Cavs realistic scenarios that include anyone wanting Kevin Love. I agree. I agree. <laughs> you know? So you really have to hope. So you really have to hope, and this is kind of through the, the, the bad shades, you have to hope that he goes out in this Olympic team play, and, and he plays and shoots the three well and he fits in, but he's never been a veteran leader here. He's never been anything sorts of a leader. He's never helped these younger guys become become better. If anything, he ostracized himself and put him aside on one side of the corner room and the, them on the other. Yeah. So he has to he has to almost it's not only what he does on the court, you almost need them to come back with reports of how great a leader he was and great a person he was, and then move him to Portland immediately. Yes, you're you're going to have to have a team that A has a lot of salary cap space. Mm-hmm. B is out of desirable options to use it and C then is convinced that they're getting a healthy player, a happy player and a productive player for nothing. And then you're going to probably have to give them a second round pick to take Kevin. Right. Right. So you know who would take him and you know what would be a good sale? Dallas. Cause Dallas is in Dallas is in complete. Yes. There's going to have to be a level of both desperation yep. and creativity there. Right. Yes. And, yes. and, and listen, I, those two words better apply to the Cavs too. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> and I think, the, but I guess that's why when we started this conversation, Zach, I was kind, of, I, I wasn't really for it. I'll be mean, to be completely honest. But and that's the thing. You say basketball's flourishing, and I agree. But there's still teams like like Dallas should not be a team that's that we just talked about the way we are. No, they that kid's generational. Talk. Yes, yes, yes. But it's a mess everywhere else within the organization. <laughs> no, I, I I will say this like going back, even when LeBron was here, Dre, and, and I've said this on the podcast a million times. I felt spoiled, like he didn't have to watch. Going all the way back to the first LeBron era, right? Yeah. Didn't have to watch every night because you just knew that the season was going to be long. But when you did there was a level of must-see TV in a, in a five, ten-minute window, right? Even yes. on Tuesday night against the Bucks or the Bulls or, or whoever. I feel like Luka has reached that stage that if every single Friday night the Mavs played on ESPN, I'm going to watch at least a little bit of that game. Absolutely. I, Absolutely. I, I, and I don't think that's hyperbole at all. And he's still 22, right? Right. Yeah. That's why, that's why they have to fix it and figure it out. And that's why they need jump shooters. And that's why... They need, you know, like I said, like I don't even know what the trade or what the move would be, but they seriously need to look into that. All right, let me ask you about the NBA playoffs, then we can move on to where, where football's at and where baseball's at. Um, I, I've said it out loud, and I'm saying it again. I hope the Suns win it all. Uh, I'm a big D Booker fan, have been. I, I'm, I was a big Aiton fan when he was at Arizona, getting paid better than he's probably getting paid right now. Um, I'm a fan of what the Suns are doing. I love that Chris Paul, who's, who, who I know, but pisses everybody off, and, and it's not everybody's best friend. But it's the best leader ever, even though he's never been in any NBA finals or or conference finals. I love what they I love how they play. I love what they put together. I like the story. Um, I I kind of like on the East what's happened in the East as well. Um, the Bucks just I, I like the Chris Middleton showing that he's a player, but at the same time, Chris and and you need this. You can't just rely on a Giannis or one guy. I've enjoyed these NBA playoffs thoroughly. Um, 
I know it's not sexy, and I know people will look at ratings, even though the ratings are fine. For the most part, they are. Um, I've liked these playoffs. I've liked seeing new blood. I've liked seeing the the new generation. And I think that's been hard for a lot of us on the outside looking in. There's the people that just don't like the NBA because there's a lot of black people on the court. And and, and, it, and sometimes it said black lives don't matter. And that, and that pissed people off because that shows you how small-minded they truly are. Some people don't like LeBron because of social media stuff or Kevin. And by the way, forget everything else I just said. I love Kevin Durant and his pettiness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, it's to the point where it seems to be consuming everything he does. But, like, I appreciate well, the what else do you do? But this is what we've raised. Like, yeah. you've, went on, you've gone around, you yourself have gone to high schools, colleges, uh, retreats. You've been everywhere in the country trying to help kids with their social media and what they do on social media and how people react to your social media. And Kevin Durant is sitting in the corner saying, I hear everything you're saying, Mr. Jackson, but once they give me over $200 million, I'm shitting on them. <laughs> like, and, and the only thing I like about it, I was just talking about buddy Rob about this. It's not the most mature thing, but damn it. I'm glad somebody is able to stand back up to the people. Like, like I, I, you know that I know. The one rule I have with every athlete I cover is if you hear me say something that you don't agree with, you don't believe in, you think I'm wrong at, please tell me. Do not let me carry on a narrative about you that's not true. Yeah. And I've had players call me out on that's not that's not how I feel, that's not what I said, and I'm like, "Okay," and I can work with them. I kind of like that that Kevin Durant cuz there are like cuz here's what I'll say. There are a, a lot of good reporters out there, and most mean well. But we're in a day and age right now as reporters that we're all looking for. I mean, I've stopped tweeting about the Indians. I don't even know if people notice. I don't even tweet about my, my job because I'm sick of dealing with people's bullshit. I'm sick of reading people's five seconds of thinking they're cute and they're funny. I don't got time for that shit. So I, I like, I've just get to a point where I don't tweet about my job because I don't need you to tell me about what you feel about the name. I don't need you to tell me how bad they are, how cheap they are. Like, dude, I've heard it all and read it all. So if I have to tweet about something with the job or something, it's something that pertains to helping someone find the game, somebody knowing a time of the game, but I'm not dealing with you guys' shit anymore. I'm just, I'm not. But in saying all of that, like, I love the games and I love telling stories. And there's so many reporters, Zach, that, not so many, but there's enough reporters that think they know. Like, I listen to radio sometimes and I hear people like, like speaking for athletes, like Odell Beckham's going to be, he's going to be better this year because he knows that the team's not all about him now. He knows that the team can win without him. You really think that's how Odell, do you know Odell to really speak for him like that? Like, and I hear multiple people talk like they know him that way. So for Kevin Durant, I take my hat and it's like, no, don't speak for how I feel. Don't speak for who I am. Don't speak for what, if I've had, if you've asked me a yes or no question, or if you've asked me that question, you can speak upon it. We have too many people that speak upon or speak for us, and they've never had a real conversation with us. So kudos to Kevin Durant for not taking that shit. Yeah, um, I, I just I, I I agree with everything you said. I just think he has to be careful because there is a line between I'm going to speak up for myself, I'm going to control a narrative, and I'm letting social media or I'm letting yeah. meaningless people's opinions um, affect my life when I'm a public figure and I just need to deal with the fact that people are going to have opinions about me. 
right? Like, right. But here's, I know, but here's the thing. And I, and I'm, this is why I like what he's doing. I don't think you can, I don't think what, what can happen to him at this point. He's an NBA champion. He's got more money than he's ever, 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 ever asked for. He's got his own shoe. I think he's at that, he's at that FU money stage of life where he can do it. It won't affect him. Now, could the fifth guy on, can the sixth guy off the bench for the Nets do that? Probably not. Sure. That's why, you know what I mean? Like, I just think he's at the, at the level of, I'm going to tell you guys and keep stuff straight. Don't quit doing this to people. Quit tweeting about people and quit talking about people like you know them when you don't know them. And I hope more people are recognizing that and realizing that. I, I don't know. I think some, you put, so many people get painted in a corner. Like, even you or myself. There's certain people out here that want to tweet and say stuff about you. And at certain points in times, you can block them. You can, you can unfollow them. You can do all that other stuff. But it's nice that somebody can punch back every once in a while and say, you know what? Um, I can tell you where I am with that. Like I know better, right? A Twitter fight is a race to nowhere, right? That's long established. Um, I would tell you that seven times, five of them, I can walk away and, probably already have the person muted to start with, right? Or blocked uh, or both, right. whatever. Um, one other time I can't help myself. And then there's that seventh time mm-hmm. where I'm so mad. I, I don't want to just win. Like I, I want to ruin this person's day. <laughs> like Right. Right. <laughs> and then, right. but then, it's not, yeah, it's not me saying one thing. I want to destroy you to the point that you cry and never come back. On yes. You. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I want to humiliate you and your family and I want yes. to make you regret ever interacting with me. Yes. And that's yes. not healthy, See? Dre. That's not healthy. So you got Kevin Durant and you too. Thank you for amending. <laughs> I do. I, I do. Um, <laughs> we're both volume shooters and volume tweeters. Uh, I can assure you that I never had a burner account, though. Um, no, me either. <laughs> no, I, but- but see, all right, and that's we can stop there with it. I'm just glad you admitted it, and I gotta, I gotta admit it too. We all have some Kevin Durant in us, but most of us can't Kevin Durant it. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, we, Dre, we've had this talk before. Like, okay, we get older now, and 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 you know, emotional maturity and life experience, and having something to lose, right? It helps us on this podcast. It helps us in our jobs. It helps us in life, right? Perspective, experience, and, and there is a time you want to stand up for yourself, right? There is a time that you should interact uh, because it is a communication yeah. device. But if it's negatively affecting, and this doesn't just go for Twitter, this goes for other things. Like you have to take stock. If it's negatively affecting your health, your standing yeah. with your job, your wife, your whatever, right? Like you're right. You you got to be real careful with it because it it can do that. It can do that. Well, and you're like none you know, of us are ever going to much- have. $400 million like Kevin Durant does, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> um, and he, it is a free country and he's free to tweet away. I just feel like he's, you know, he's walking. He gets a little too. Yes. He's walking a line there that he doesn't need. Yeah. To walk. He doesn't need. He to doesn't walk. need to walk on it because he can walk away from it. and He can still have all those things, I guess. And like I said, it's just nice that some people can fire back and tell people, you know, like what you're saying is not important and you're full of shit. Because you're right, we don't. Everybody doesn't have that same that same leeway, um, you know. The same the way, like, like, and we haven't even talked about this yet. And I'm kind of glad we have because I don't ever want to talk about it. Like the Josh Naylor situation. Um, I was just going to ask it's you about one of, this. Yes, my stomach turns just like I'm. Re- I got an article right in front of me popped up about it, and um, it's one of the worst things I've I've ever seen. My mic was open and I groaned. Does it happen? I have not watched the replay because I saw exactly what happened live i saw it i knew what i knew 
live in the game what what had happened. Um, and it sucks because, and not that it would be better if it was another player, but and you know this like when you like this he's just one of the best down to earth guys in the world. You root for him, whether you're a reporter or not. You root for him because he was a genuine dude. Um, just a really good, just a good dude. Period. A guy that you rooted for because he was good. He was good peeps. Always goes out of his way to be a good person. To to sign the extra autograph. To look you in the eye and ask you how you're doing. Um, and so it sucks when when something like that happens because it's not even about the player, but it's about the person. I hate that it, to see a person that I know and I like that I that I that I have a friendship with go through a tragedy like that. Because unfortunately, this is gonna this is gonna be a part of his career, um, and hopefully he's back in a year, you know, or a year and a half, however long it takes to come back from this injury. But this is a part of his the narrative of Josh Naylor, and you know it was the hardest game we've ever, I've ever done uh, last yeah, yesterday for all sure. of us. Like I can tell you guys, like um, for as much of the is bullshit that we're not at the games, and that's a whole other story, another time. Um, it was hard to do the game yesterday because it was because it didn't really matter, and I hate saying that, but it did, after that happened, it did not matter. Yeah. Um, the, the game was the, the last thing on anyone's mind. The players, us. Uh, the only thing everybody had in their mind was get on a plane, get home, and and let's just start fresh Monday. Uh, and there's only one other thing I can compare to that because I thought about that last night. I was talking to my neighbor. when I texted you the picture from the pool and said, my bad, that we didn't do the pod last night. I had to consume some, some beer. And there was, other, there was only one other time um, I, was do, I was doing a game and had that type of thing happen. And I don't know. You will remember this when I bring it up. It happened in Cincinnati when we were covering the Browns. And it was the first play from scrimmage. And Ruben Drones ran into David Pollock. You remember this? Oh, yeah. And David Pollock broke his neck. First play of the game. And in the NFL, I always tell people when they ask me about the difference in doing the Indians and doing it in Browns and baseball and football, I'm like, I love what I do to this. I love I love it. But there is nothing like one o'clock on a Sunday in the fall being inside a stadium on the field. There's nothing like it. Like, I, my, I, like honestly, I just got chills just saying it. Like, I can feel my heart. Like, there's just nothing like being on the field for an NFL football game at 1 o'clock on a Sunday. And when that happened between Drones and Pollock, it was literally the first play from scrimmage. You went from this high crescendo of, like, emotion. The kickoff had just happened. Fans are, are, are into it. You know, both teams think they can win. And then you have a guy break his neck. Mm-hmm. And they had to take his face mask off. And it was it was probably like a 50, it was probably like a 10-minute stoppage of the game of taking care of all that i remember ruben drones like kind of was like banged up and he came off and then he had tears in his eyes because he realized that david we all realized david pollock was never going to play again um when that happened it is hard to do your job after that type of stuff happens man it really is um but the reason i bring that up and this just goes off of it and i'm looking at it right now i still get dickheads that like tweet me and say the second baseman needs to back off in that scenario or i'm getting other people to say see naylor's reckless i tried to tell you that you're all all year andre and you know how bad i wanted like and i literally had to like throw my phone and i wanted to be like yeah. fuck you you asshole like who in their right minds tweets or says something about that when somebody's going through an injury like that somebody's in the worst pain in their life and you think you're all of a sudden you're billy fucking martin and you can break down how baseball works <laughs> fuck you that's your best line ever. 
because it's so true. It's so real. But, but that's what that's what social media is becoming now. Everybody is so damn smart. Yeah. Uh, like everybody yeah. knows everything. Like I woke up yesterday to even like like even people like that I know like Greg Brenda because I made a joke that oh and like this and like and I and I and like and to be honest with you and I, this is funny I'm about to say this because I can only say it to you for you to get it. Um, I tweeted I got to find the tweet. I tweeted during the game two nights ago. I'm going through my Twitter because I don't need all the assholes that want to break down baseball for me and tell me how. The play should have went. That's baseball, by the way, people. Two guys are running for the ball. That could have happened at a, at a little league game. It happens in a big league game. Clement, they both ran out for the ball. They both ran out to try to get it. It happens. It's no one's fault. Right. That is, that's just how the game works. So stop with all that BS. Yeah. Um. Here, I tweeted out Saturday night, and I will admit, I was sauced. <laughs> and I. <haven't- laughs> And I haven't tweeted sauced in a long time, but I was I was having a good time. I was having a good night. It was Saturday night. The kids were taken care of. Everything was taken care of. And I tweeted, Mike Fratello's in heaven looking at this score. Now, if, if the score was in the 80s, so you get the joke immediately, right, yes. Zach? I literally had like six people say, did Mike Fratello die? <laughs> and like I had to tell Greg Brenda yesterday morning, like, you obviously didn't watch the basketball game. Like if you and if you didn't and you don't get the joke, then leave the tweet alone and walk away. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the joke's not for you if you don't get it. Like don't try twenty four hours later to try to like yeah. summarize how no, I could have said something. I know that's that's an aggravation of mine too. Um, so I didn't see yesterday. I I was online and around very early in the morning, and then I wasn't. We were doing yard work and I was doing some other stuff and. I sat down at my friend's pool at like, I don't know, three, three thirty, and uh picked up my phone as another friend walked in and he basically said, Did you see what happened to Josh Naylor? And I said, No, we have the soccer game on, not the baseball game, and he said, Don't. And I immediately opened Twitter and I, st- I forget if it was you or someone else that said, If you haven't seen the replay, don't. And I just was Chris like, Rose tweeted and I was like, Don't, just don't watch yeah, it. Yes, that's what it was. That's, that's what it was. Yeah. And so I just I didn't. Um I, I didn't, and that's awful. And I know the Indians are running out of dudes, but like, the record is still pretty impressive, right? Yeah, that's the crazy like, dude. That's it's amazing. And we had to talk about that during the game, like, <laughs> like, like. And I had I had a good friend, and then Ryan Isley just did the same thing. He's like, "Hey, how are you, how you feeling today, man?" He goes, "Cause you could tell in your voice yesterday, the broadcast injury got to you. It did." Um, and I had somebody else say, the next time somebody says your job is easy." You tell them to come to a game when that happens, because nobody prepares you for that, right? No. Like as a as a writer of football, all right. Even for you, like when you go on a, on NFL Sunday and you go to the uh, uh, NFL stadium, you don't plan on writing about career in you know injuries. You don't you know what I mean? Like when life like things happen, you don't. That's not something we're prepared to do. Well, and I, um, I'll tell you this: I I was there in the indoor that day when the Browns had that offensive lineman Ryan Miller get the nasty concussion that ended his career. Yeah. Uh, I thought oh, he died. Yeah. Like right, just the reaction of how it went silent and and the angle and urgency at which those trainers got to him, and three minutes later he was still down. I was like, it was it was a weekend practice. I remember, and it was moved inside by storms. And I was like, mm-hmm. I I think this guy's dead. And then thank God he wasn't. But I remember the feeling following you, Dre, of like, okay, um, yeah, it really matters who was the fourth receiver today. Right. Right. That's what I really have to go cover. Uh, 
because this is like yeah so been there um i remember the ruben drones hit it was on tv oh. i wasn't at the game but ryan mm-hmm. Shazier, you knew right away that he was in big oh, trouble yeah right? it was a monday night game um yeah it's 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 awful and it's the risk that these guys take um you know i don't know josh naylor i hope he's all right um you know i, I hope the indians can continue to to make something of this season um you know, i don't know I, i'm not close how they have to know is that. unbelievable but how they have is unbelievable yeah yeah because uh, they're down a lot of dudes yeah and good dudes <laughs> not just dudes the dudes that matter right right that matter the most sure yeah, so um, it is the downtime football-wise. Um, you know, I'll just say this, guys. There's no precedent here for, for these contracts with the Browns. The, the Browns just have not been this team to where they have their own talent that they need to extend, right? Um, I take the release of Sheldon Richardson as a sign that they plan on doing a couple of these contracts immediately. If you're going to do a deal for Nick Chubb, it makes no sense to wait. You do it. So I I believe there'll be some movement after the holiday um, in the few weeks. I think it's four weeks from tomorrow that camp officially opens. So I would think in the next two and a half weeks, you'll at least see some movement on, on getting those done. Um, you know, with Baker and Denzel, those guys are under contract for two more years. They have the fifth-year option. They don't have that with Nick Chubb. You know, in an ideal world, you would not sign Nick Chubb. You would retain the right to use the franchise tag. You'd have him for two more years and you'd spit him out. I just think he's so rare. Uh, and I think your whole thing is st- smart, tough, accountable. You pay this guy. Um, you reward him. He makes you different. He teams with Kareem Hunt, who already got paid, and and arguably the best offensive line in football to make you different. So we'll see there. Um, you know, I know the Baker thing is, is the most talked about thing right now. Well, A, we're bored across the board. Uh, B Baker's a bit of a lightning rod and we'll see the, the Browns are in good spot there. The Browns and Baker Mayfield are engaged guys. It's going to happen. It's, are we going to have a fancy wedding? Are we going to have a shotgun wedding in three weeks? Are we going to do it next summer? You know, I don't know. Um, may, maybe the engagement will get called off that that happens in life, but they're headed for the altar. Um, and so I think it's more just talking points than anything else. So that's kind of my, um, well, let me, let me ask you this. Okay. Does being smart, tough, and accountable stand more? Is that more important than what analytically they're told they should and should not do? I think in this case it is, Dre, because I think with Nick Chubb, you're sending a message to the locker room that if you do what this guy does, if you are a zero baggage, 100% effort guy, um, your your efforts will be rewarded and appreciated, and that's who we want here. I love the answer, and I hope and, 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 – and, the teams that make it work, like the best thing that the Indians have going, and I think most people should know this, the best thing about Tito Francona, he may not agree with all the analytics. He may not agree with every guy that comes in his office and tries to give him a lineup or every guy that tells him about openers and this and that. But the Indians, from what I have learned and being around them for the last eight years, almost a decade, is that they have a way of they have a standard, they have analytics, but they also use, um, they also use, I want to use the right word because it goes off of what you're saying. Terry Francona respects analytics, but he still makes decisions based off of what his stomach tells him. Yes. 
And I think the great organizations throughout all sports right now, it's like James Jones is a, is a GM with the Suns. What a great move by that organization. That organization was in shambles before they brought him in. He was a former player. But if you knew who he was and you knew his reputation, you he, a little bit like Tito, and I don't know why I'm saying James Jones and Tito are the same, but you know, a guy that was kind of at the end of the bench, but a guy that was really talented, he understood players, but he was also smart enough to listen and understand analytically what was making what made sense to a team, right? So you're able to mold a team together off of the feel, but also what the numbers tell you. Your answer about Chubb is, as you know, he's my favorite player, is 100% correct. Yes, we have standards. Yes, we have rules. Yes, we have things that we go by and things that we will not get in cap trouble over. But if somebody represents who and what we want to be, then we have to acknowledge that and, and, and work yes. with that, right? Yes. So I I think this is the most – I think obviously signing a quarterback is it's tremendously important, but you don't have to do that today. You don't no. have to do that over the next six months. No. <laughs> be completely no, and, honest. And, and all of those things – what you're saying, all those things weigh in because this is this is going to be an issue with the Browns. I mean, we're guessing from the outside, Dre, but you know, you've been saying this. You've been around locker rooms your whole adult life. Well, yes. you, really your whole life. Whole life, Even right. before you started doing this every day with the Browns. Every guy in that locker room knows what every other guy makes, especially when yep. you're the one that thinks you're next to get paid or you're yes, better sir. than the guy that already got paid, right? That's human nature. That's not calling anybody out, right? No. But the other thing is, is this, like you just said, like personality and how you want to build your team, okay? Listen, all, all these projections that say the Browns are the third best roster in the league, the fifth best roster in the league, the seventh, like I, I'm with that. But how are you different? What is your identity? This is what the Browns have never gotten to in the 23 right. years they've been back in the league, right? Well, now they have one, right? Now they have a coach whose offensive system fits the personnel, a coach and a GM who don't fight each other, the best running back duo in the league and arguably the best offensive line in the league. Like, who are you? Who do you want to be? How can you be different? You're not going to win just by being good. You're never going to beat Patrick Mahomes that way. Forget about no. it, right? You might not even win the division that way. How are you going to be different and how are you going to really mold your team with what kind of people and with what kind of player? And look yes. at Nick fucking Chubb. Pay the guy. Yeah, and in saying that some of your favorite players or a jersey you may wear or something like that, the Browns may not be able to keep for doing that, but that's part of doing business. Yeah, so whether it, it be, you know. Another thing on this too, like I'm not a capologist guy, but I, ha I have a pretty good handle on this. So, um, you know, obviously, last with the pandemic, the, the cap did not go up at the normal rate <clears throat> that it has been. The Browns were prepared for that. Um, in 2023, two years from now, it's going to go up tremendously. It's not there's not a set number yet, but it's going to go up next year healthily and in two years tremendously because that's when the new media rights deals kick in. They will for the balloon payment you make on a quarterback's contract for for having Miles yeah. Denzel, five offensive players. Three, you know, other defensive guys all getting paid at once. You'll you'll be able to do that. You'll you'll be able to fit them. So it's just a matter of when and what you want to do it. Nick no, Chubb's deal is up. That. If Nick Chubb plays this year, it'll be on his rookie contract. He'll be the most underpaid player in the league. I just think it's time to do it. I just I think, agree. I just think it's time. Hey guys, we got to get out of here. Um, I just yeah. realized what time it was. I got to be on another call. Hopefully, we will do, do one. Um, let me do something you. real quick. Yep, real quick. I'll be quick because I got I got to roll too. Um. Thank you guys for your patience. We appreciate it more than anything else. Um, it, it matters. Um, we got a lot of other things going on in our life, but we do want to do this and continue to talk to you guys. As you know, I'm working on, and Zach's helping me work on a project that's going to come out here in August, September, um, called Brownstown. It's with Blue Wire Podcasting. 
And the basis of it, which I can tell you guys now, is I've, I've interviewed a ton of Browns fans, former players, former coaches, GMs, you know, get it. Um, I just got to tell this story real quick. I, I interviewed Phil Dawson last week. And I asked Phil Dawson at the end of the interview, and I don't know how it'll be played in the podcast, but when it comes out, I hope you guys listen and, and, and pay attention to it because it should be pretty cool. And I said, hey, man, is there anything I asked you? Is there anything that, that, that I'm missing on why it was special to play in Cleveland? And and this isn't verbatim, but Phil Dawson goes to me. He goes, Dre, you know me well. And he says, I'm Texas to the tr- to the bone. And he goes, you know, I, 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 I wear a flag on my truck, on my hat, my heart, you know, tattooed on me. I'm Texas to the to the core. He said, um, and he goes, my wife is, feels the same way. I'm as Texas as it can get. And he goes, but Northeast Ohio did something so cool to me and to, for my family that in 2009, 2010, my wife and I seriously debated about making Northeast Ohio our home for, forever. I couldn't believe he said that because I've known Phil Dawson, you know, since 99. <laughs> yeah. But that was legitimately him. The one other story I'll tell real quick. And this is kind of a tease, so you guys are excited for this, because I want you guys to be excited for this. Matter of fact, I'm doing something with Zach on this tomorrow. Um, I go, Phil, you know, the last game I did on sideline for the Browns, the week leading up to, my boss told me that Eric Mangini didn't want me to talk to any of his players anymore during games. And I go, and then that, and then that game, I go, you hit, the, you kick the kickoff, you run right off the field, you and Crib stand right beside me on each side, and I remember looking at you saying, "Get away from me!" And I look up at Mangini's looking at me, and I go, "And I'm fired." And he started laughing, and he was like, man, you were my guy. You kept me from getting too nervous. I had to go talk to my guy. I didn't care what he said. (laughs) (laughs) It's some pretty cool shit. (laughs) Yes. Majoring in the minor 20-some years, guys. Yeah, majoring in the minor. But this should be a fun offseason. Last thing I'll give you, I saw this when we first start podcasting. Fresh off her first loss and snagged her an NFL player, Browns wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones goes Instagram official with MMA hottie. I got to find her name. <laughs> Valerie Laredo. Check out the pics. That's what Zach will be tweeting about throughout the rest of the evening because it's the silly season and nothing else better to do. Donovan Peoples-Jones got him a girl. Thank I, think, I think that kid's got star potential. I mean, we'll see. You do. Um, you do. But, man, there, there's a lot – I'll just say this. We'll get you ready for training camp with this anecdote. There was two plays last year. It was the strangest camp, right? It was shortened. Um, We were standing 80 feet, you know, 80 yards away. Everybody was wearing masks in the heat. It was miserable. But there were two passes where he's running over the middle. And maybe he wasn't even in the right place. And the pass was high or behind him or intended for someone else. And he just so naturally and quickly reached up and snatched that ball and took off, like, without being told to finish the play. You know, great anything, and I just thought, man, like if they can harness this, right? And and that's that was always the thing with him. He was five star recruit. There's a hundred reasons it didn't work at Michigan. The Browns draft him in the sixth round at 21 years old. Every team passed on him five times. Right. You're thinking, what's up with this dude, right? And you just see those flashes. And then the first time he made big plays last year, it, it was in weeks he was not in the game plan. He was called in because guys got hurt, and he did it. And so now you think, okay. Now he's gotten a taste of it. Now he's going to be comfortable with his surroundings. You know, maybe not they're going to draw things up for him per se, but I think they realize there's a lot to harness there and coach him hard and, you know, know know what works for him and what doesn't. And this is where I think Stefanski is so good with all his players. I just think in a couple of years, um, if Donovan Peoples-Jones is a 100-catch guy, 
you know, mm. 12 touchdown guy, I don't think anybody will be surprised. So um, this is and this goes off our conversation about salaries. And I don't want to be that guy and talk two seasons ahead. If the Browns are going to continue a legacy to becoming one of those teams, you need that to happen because you're not going to be able to keep the high price receivers ahead no, of them right now. No. And, and that's the thing. Like Peoples Jones is really the only receiver that's guaranteed to be here still a year from now. Right. I right, mean, right. I'll believe the Anthony Schwartz hype when I see him on the practice field. Like, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, how most, that goes. People Guys, don't ever, most people don't even understand the Anthony Schwartz deal right now. He's yeah. got, he's like, and I will get into that in another podcast. Yeah. We'll get, we'll, Cause we'll, I, I, they're not, they want him to be a, a receiver, but if, you know, a big time receiver, but he doesn't have to be a big time receiver for what they're going to ask him to do in no. 2021. No, they, they need him to get healthy and learn and show them how much that they can give him. And if it's only a little bit as a rookie, that's fine. That's fine because right. right. he has By the a way, rare gift that your they best can unlock. Tweet, your best tweet, I got to get this in. Your best tweet in years. Somebody asked the best Atlanta Hawks jersey ever. You said <laughs> Rasheed Wallace. I had an Indians player that will remain nameless, and, I, and this is what makes days like yesterday tough. He sent me a DM and was like, Dre, I never knew Rasheed Wallace played for the Hawks. And I had to break down and tell him exactly how that worked. That's why it was the best tweet ever. And I won't embarrass the player that tweeted me. There is a, a player on the Indians that was like, I had no idea he played for the Hawks. And I had to explain what happened. My friend Zach, he has a lot of issues. All right, guys, here's what you do. You log on to AmericanFireworks.com or you go to the store in Hudson, you tell them A to Z sent you. Now, during July 4th week, they may or may not hook you up, but they will appreciate you. They are local folks. They are Cleveland sports fans just like you guys. They've been great to us and great to the community for a long time, and that's where you need to buy your fireworks. So for Zach Jackson, for Billy fucking Martin, we'll talk to you next time on A to Z. <laughs>